0: Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. Thanks for listening. Episode 31 today. You can catch all of our previous episodes online at Bloomberg.com podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Uh, just search Bloomberg Deal of the Week. This week's What's the Big Deal focuses on a Finnish gaming company called Supercell. So you may or may not know this company, depending on how into playing video games on your phone you are, but it's quite a big one valued at over $10 billion. Japanese telecommunications and technology company SoftBank is selling its 72.2% stake in the company to Chinese internet behemoth Tencent for $8.6 billion dollars. And on the heels of this transaction, SoftBank's president and the heir apparent to the CEO position, Nikesh Arora, suddenly and surprisingly announcing he is stepping down. And we are very lucky today to have a resident SoftBank expert in-house from Japan, Bloomberg Managing Editor Peter Elstrom, joining us in studio. Peter, it's a pleasure having you not only here in studio, but back in our fine country. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Are there any American activities or foods you want to take in while you're here for a couple weeks?
1: Ah, you know, I miss I miss the food a lot. Yeah, I miss sandwiches and I miss uh, good burgers. So, look before we get back into
0: even talking about this particular deal, uh, let's start at the very beginning here. What are what is SoftBank and what is Tencent? Because. They do a lot of different things. They own a lot of different things.
1: SoftBank is probably best known uh, for its telecom operations. It runs a wireless carrier in Japan that's well-known for kind of taking on the two big uh, players within the Japan market. The biggest is NTT Docomo and then KDDI. SoftBank kind of uh, challenged them in the market, uh, led by Masayoshi Son, and they they had a bunch of innovations among them. They were the first to carry the iPhone in Japan. They gained a lot of ground, and they did very, very well um, and Then of course, they bought a controlling stake in Sprint right here in the u s which is not done as well. We can talk more about that later. But since their time sort of building from this base of telecommunications and broadband, they've expanded into a number of different areas, particularly making investments in startups. The biggest hit that they've had so far is investing in Alibaba, the Chinese e-commerce company. They were in that uh, company very, very early on, uh, uh, based on Masayoshi Son's investment, and they did very well. They ended up with a stake that was worth more than sixty billion dollars.
0: Sixty billion dollars from us from an initial investment that was less than a hundred million. I
1: it's believe twenty million dollars. if million. I remember right. Yeah, th- that is yeah.
0: that is amazing. That is uh, th- that is the only hit you need, really.
1: You know, yeah. you can just retire. On you can that be one. wrong a lot of times if you get that one right.
0: Instead of retiring, however, Masayoshi Son, who is the CEO of SoftBank, has a 300-year plan—the <laughs> yes. opposite of retiring. Yeah,
1: he is quite a character. Uh, he's certainly a celebrity in Japan and, and and internationally. He's made a bunch of investments. Also, he partnered with Yahoo famously, and he owns uh, the, the controlling stake in Yahoo Japan, which is now up for grabs, along with. Um, along with the bigger Yahoo corporate uh, state, because Yahoo Corp. owns a piece of Yahoo Japan. Um, Yeah, so he's quite a character. And then Tencent is a lower-profile company. Even within China, it's a pretty low-profile company. It's run by a billionaire, Pony Ma, who... Um, has built a business that's quite diversified. Probably their most dominant business is in messaging. They run the two most popular messaging services in China. One is QQ, and the other is WeChat. These are two messaging services that each have about a billion users. So, they're gigantic. I mean, they're very, very popular. Um, and, uh, And they've used that to build up their other businesses. They also have a pretty strong games platform. Uh, they have a number of other businesses where they're quite strong. And they and they challenge Alibaba, the company that SoftBank backs, uh, to be the biggest internet company. They kind of trade the titles of who has the larger larger market cap uh, week in and week out. Yeah, so, Tencent is a $209 billion company. That's pretty good for a low-profile company. It's not bad. Yeah, it is not bad. And this is – so this is – we're going to talk about this – deal if you're ready to do that. This is their biggest deal. Uh, it's a big move away from China into a foreign market, and they're spending, you know, as you mentioned before, about $9 billion to get this controlling stake.
0: So let's talk about this. Supercell. Uh, so this, by the way, Supercell is the first European tech startup to pass the $10 billion valuation mark. It is a Finnish gaming company. Uh, its top games, its top four games are Clash of Clans, Heyday, Boom Beach, I can't. Sorry, I, I have to. I have to laugh when I say Boom Beach. Uh, it's just a funny thing to say. And Clash Royale. So, Peter, I know you are an active gamer and a fan of all of these games, correct?
1: I'm not. I'm not, but my nine year old son is. He's exactly. a big fan of Clash of Clans. There
0: you go. So, Clash of Clans. Uh, I, I actually do know. I have to admit, I'm not uh, much of a gamer myself, but I do know Clash of Clans because I remember. Uh, watching the super bowl this past year and clash of clans had an advertisement where they used liam neeson to be his character from the movie taken uh Mm. and he wants revenge while playing clash of clans so look uh how popular are these games well they must be pretty popular uh if supercells Going uh, at a ten billion dollar valuation.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Clash of Clans is very popular. Uh, they've only put out four titles, and those four titles have consistently been in the top twenty rankings uh, in the uh, in the app stores. Games are notoriously a hit-and-miss business. You've seen a lot of games that have become kind of spectacular hits and then crashed afterwards. You know, among them, you can think of the ones that have been popular in the past, Farmville early on, Candy Crush is another one. It's very hard to repeat that success even after you've Uh, had a hit or two. So so what Supercell's been able to do is show unusual consistency, kind of cranking out high-quality games that people have enjoyed playing.
0: So exactly. So to put some numbers behind this, I I took a look at the data. This is from the website thinkgaming.com. Clash of Clans takes in $854,796 on average per day. That's daily revenue. So that ranks at number three in the top grossing games uh, that there are. Uh, So in order to put that in some perspective, Candy Crush, the latest Candy Crush uh, is number five on that list. And these games are are in the freemium model. So this means that they're free to download, but you then pay for, let's say, in the case of Clash of Clans, you pay for gems or spells or elixirs or whatever you may need in order to help you play the game. There are also these games, Clash of Clans and Clash Royale, are called MMO games, which are massively multiplayer online games. So you're playing with people and you're playing against people real time. Uh, So I spent some time online watching YouTube videos of people playing uh, so that I could learn a little bit about Clash of Clans and why it's popular. And you get the idea. Basically, you're sort of storming other people's castles and trying to take over their land. And I I think you can see why Mm. these things are, are fairly popular. But, you know... $10 billion, that's a lot of money.
1: (laughs) That's a lot of money. Yeah, and they're betting on, I mean, they're betting on the opportunities ahead. Tencent is putting this uh, money in. Uh, These games are mostly already in China, so they will be able to probably promote these games a bit more alongside their own games and then through their instant messaging services. So they can probably do a bit more uh, within China, but also they're diversifying away from China, which is pretty important at this point. The Chinese economy, of course, is slowing down a fair bit. Um, It's a challenge to sell these games consistently in China. So they're diversifying away, getting a revenue stream outside of China that could be valuable going forward.
0: 2016 is the first year that mobile games are expected to surpass PC and console games in total revenue. So clearly it's a bet also on the future of gaming and Tencent knows the gaming world well. Not only do they own their do they make their own games, but uh, you know they own another very popular game League of Legends, the the maker of that Riot Games they acquired. They also own 12% of Activision Blizzard, which is a you know a video game a uh, company that you, you, you may have heard of. Uh, and Supercell owns 13% of the mobile gaming market as is. So it does make some sense to me uh, that Tencent in particular would be a good home for this. Do we know will the Supercell team keep running the company cuz it ran independently within? Softnet. It did.
1: Yeah, it's we sort of buried the lead here. So you're spending uh, almost 9 billion dollars for this company and you're not getting control, right? right? The employees get to continue running the company. The co-founders have been very proud of the culture that they built. It's a pretty small company. I think it's only about 180 people. They want to keep making decisions about how the company is run. They want to maintain their their culture, the CEO has talked about how in a creative business like games, you can't have hierarchical systems. You can't have top-down decision-making. You need to let small teams work on things that they come up with and go ahead and develop it. And that's the way you're going to actually get high-quality games. So they want to maintain that culture.
0: And not only do we bury the lead that and from that standpoint, but also SoftBank has already made uh, an incredible amount of money on this investment. So uh, they're not even buying in particularly early here. You know, SoftBank, Made three times its money it made about six billion dollars I suppose if, if I'm doing my math, yeah, right I think there.
1: It, I think it was perhaps a little bit less than that, but yeah, it was a fantastic, I think they made three times their money uh on this deal and it was a huge hit for them and so you're right yeah tencent is coming in at a pretty high price hoping that they can raise the value even more
0: right i didn't do the, the six billion i would have to subtract that so it's more like was four and a half billion something like that it's an, a 93 percent irr i think i read is wow what this is
1: wow. uh yeah over a relatively short period of over time Over relatively short period for of three time. years
0: so look why is SoftBank selling
1: well um SoftBank is making a number of changes. Um, as Masayoshi Son has said, he's he's good at making investments and he's good at buying stakes in companies. He's less good at getting out of them. So what you've seen just really this year is SoftBank beginning to exit some key investments. They sold about uh, 10 billion dollars in Alibaba stock. I've mentioned before that has been such a huge hit for them. They've also decided that they want to move away from the games business, which had been a priority investment in the past, and now they're moving away. Supercell is part of that. They also had a big stake in uh, Gungho Entertainment, which is a Japanese game maker best known for Puzzles & Dragons. I know you're a big fan.
0: Yes, Puzzles & Dragons, my favorite. I assume you play that on your phone. Is that correct? <laughs> you can't. Is yeah, it a board game? <laughs> so, look, is, is it so? SoftBank wants a lot of this money back, I guess, to... They've said publicly they want to put it back and make their balance sheet a little cleaner because they have a lot of debt, and some of that debt was related to the Sprint transaction. Is it possible that they're selling... This company and they're selling those Alibaba shares for another reason other than balance
1: sheet. Well, there is tons of speculation about that. Uh, what the what the company has said is that they're selling the Alibaba stake and they're selling Superstell in order to pay pay down some of that debt, uh, strengthen their balance sheet. Um, their their stock price has been depressed in part because they have so much debt. Last I checked, I think it was it was more than a um, hundred billion dollars. Um, and they want to strengthen that to be able to get credit on the on the stock side of the equation. Now, there's endless speculation that Masayoshi's son has another big deal that he wants to cut. And so he's collecting cash so that he can go out and he can uh, hunt more big game someplace, because that's the kind of dealmaker he is. Now, the sources that we talk to around SoftBank say... That's not the case, that he's not going out there in order to make another big investment, but that has not stopped the speculation that uh, that he's looking for another big deal.
0: Of course, he looked at T-Mobile to merge with Sprint, uh, you know, last year or the year before, uh, and that did not happen because of regulatory pressure. So theoretically, that could come back, but I would not expect that one to come back in the current presidential administration with the same FCC in charge, which already told him don't do this. We're not going to let you. I think that's right. So it would probably be something else. But interestingly, even if he does do something else, it will not be with his right-hand man, Nikesh Arora, who was brought in originally to look at doing fairly large internet and media type investments. He then sort of got promoted after being hired for that role uh, into the president of the company and and the heir apparent to Masa as CEO. And he surprisingly, I think would be fair to say, announced that he was stepping down. What do you make of this?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely, it was a shocker. Uh, So Nikash Arora was um, recruited by Son to come from Google, where he had had a 10-year career, had been very, very successful, moved from a sales job in Europe to run the entire sales organization, the business side uh, for the two founders um, at Google, had a very successful career there. And then he moved over, as you said, he made uh, internet investments for a while and then was promoted to president about a year ago. And uh, Masayoshi Yoshisan talked about him as the heir apparent, as the person most likely to succeed him. Masa said that he wanted to step down in his 60s. And now Nikesh Arora is moving aside. Our reporters had an interview with the two executives in Tokyo, a briefing just before the news was made public. And what Masa said is that he's decided he wants to run the company for a longer period of time. Nikesh was looking forward to stepping into that CEO. CEO role pretty soon, and the disconnect between those two fr- time frames led to his departure. So,
0: Masa is 58 years old, and Nakesh is 48. That's right. Uh, so, Masa, it, it is not too much of a stretch to think that Masa would be very active and run this company for. I mean, he really could run it. I suppose for ten more years, really. I mean, logically speaking, if he there wanted to,
1: are 60, 70, 80 seventy, eighty-year-old CEOs Even in more Japan. Than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. you could run it for a long time. Uh, and I think uh, Aurora did not want to wait for that long of a period of time but still there there's i mean there are questions about what are all the factors that played into this this came after aurora had come into some pretty fierce criticism from a group of investors in softbank who thought that he didn't have the qualifications to do his job and they didn't want to take him they didn't want him to take over the company why did they think that That he didn't have the qualifications. They laid out um, some criticisms in a letter to the board of directors. Uh, Among other things, they thought that his investment track record was not that strong. Uh, SoftBank was successful with Alibaba, but that happened well before he showed up. And the companies that he's invested in have not done uh, that well uh, so far. But again, these are very long-term investments. They also felt like he was um, paid too much. Uh, and they said that his uh, history of investments in the past was not so strong that he deserved to be heir apparent.
0: Yeah, so he was paid a lot of money. I mean, if you if you depending on how you uh, calculate the compensation, he, there were some years he was making more than a hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, the
1: first year that he came, he made more than $100 million. And then this last fiscal year, he made, depending on which, which exchange rate you use, about $75 million. Just for comparison, Masayoshi son made about a million dollars. So Nikesh was paid much, much more than that.
0: So Nikesh, Aurora spearheaded investments in uh, Indian e-commerce provider, snapdeal.com, a ride-hailing service called Ola Cabs, a real estate website, housing.com, uh, a hotel booking app uh, called Oyo Rooms. Uh, and then in the U.S., so none of those are U.S. investments. In the U.S. this last year, he led a billion-dollar fundraising round. This was sort of his investment. Uh, but SoftBank's, of course, as well, for this U.S. online lender social finance corporation. So, right. so yeah, none of those have, have uh, changed the game for SoftBank, perhaps. But also, I could argue... None of those were expected to change the game, right? Because they're late-stage startup investments. So don't you need a little bit more time in order to really you judge someone? You definitely
1: need more time. Yeah, we talked with uh, Nikesh Arora uh, a number of times about his investment strategy, and uh, certainly it was a long-term play. He liked to talk about how SoftBank was permanent capital. So venture capital firms famously raise money for 10 years, typically. Um, and so that means that at some point they have to start thinking about getting out of those investments. He said SoftBank's strategy was different in part because they could stay in for a long period of time. The um, The Alibaba investment was well over a decade. It took a long time to be able to pay off. So when he made these investments, the expectation was not that you were going to see a big return in the next year or two years out. Obviously, it was going to take a long period of time. And he also wanted to play at a level of investment that very few investors could play. They were putting in $100 million, $500 million, even a billion dollars in some cases, where there are, there are not that many uh, venture capital firms or other investors, strategic investors, who can make that size of investment. So he felt like it gave them a competitive advantage.
0: So do we have any idea what happened here? In other words, Nikesh Arora was supposed to be announced formally to the board tomorrow, or at least when, when this recording comes out, it will be today. The timing on this seems very strange, coming right after being cleared of all wrongdoing from the, from the SoftBank board. He, he did a very strange thing. Uh, he went on Twitter. Uh, in fact, as of the time of this recording, he is still tweeting. So he is still answering questions on Twitter. He's been doing it all day.
1: Yeah, we countered him up. Uh, the first time we countered, it was thirty tweets from him. Now it's over a hundred. So over a continu-
0: hundred tweets.
1: Yeah, he continues. Uh,
0: uh, I think he set a questions.
1: record for a departing executive yeah. for getting on Twitter and answering questions.
0: So, so you would think. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of this. I'm certainly, I mean, now I'm purely speculating. But you know, on the one hand, you figure if you're going to be so open and tweeting, you maybe don't have anything to hide. On the other hand, I, it, I mean, the the turn of events here seems like there is some sort of story that's not being told.
1: Uh, I I I would agree. There 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 seems to be something going on behind the scenes. It's not like Nikesh just showed up. When we interviewed him last year, he we skipped over this part. He actually put a huge amount of his own money into SoftBank stock. He invested almost uh, half a billion dollars in SoftBank shares. And when we interviewed him about that investment and what motivated him, he said he was ready to take big risks on the company. He said, "I'm here at least for ten years." He clearly was intending to stay for a long period of time. He was not explicit about expecting the CEO job this year or next year in the very near future. He brought in a bunch of his former colleagues in order to build an investment team. So the fact that he left very abruptly like this just before the annual meeting, as you say, it certainly looks mysterious.
0: And on the flip side, I can say that I remember when Aurora was hired, uh, Masa-san said something to the degree of that he was very relieved to have found a successor because finding a successor at the company was a big pain and now unless he has someone else in mind he's going to be put right back in the same situation he was
1: yeah well we did so softbank actually has something called softbank academy where people come in and they're sort of audition the idea is to try to find a successor for masayoshi son about half the people come in from outside the company. Half the people are inside the company. And Masa goes, and he'll give presentations to them. They'll do Q&A and things like that. So there is a pool of people who have hoped to be uh, in this position, but they are back to square zero at this point.
0: Peter, I'll nominate you for the position if you want. It's, it's lucrative. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's lucrative. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Peter Elstrom joining us uh, in New York on a brief vacation back into the United States from his home. In Japan, talking about SoftBank selling Supercell and uh, the various different management changes going on at the large Japanese telco company. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Alex. So that's it for this week's episode. You can expect more Bloomberg reporters and M&A professionals who are doing deals real time. And until then, find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And take a minute to rate and review the show while you're there. Also, follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. See you next week.